Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. We now have a new administration in Washington whose major purpose seems to be to undo what previous administrations have done, including in the digital realm. That has kept us pretty busy at the Electronic Cottage of late, trying to tease out the implications of, for example, rolling back online privacy protections, easing up regulations that are already beginning to create more and bigger mergers of communications providers, and generally reducing personal choice in the digital world while trumpeting exactly the opposite. This kind of behavior brings to mind an observation from the famous philosopher and psychologist William James. Quote, If you want to see what a man believes, watch what he does, not what he says. End quote. But today, let's take a breather from the antics in Washington and catch up on some other items going on in the tech world that might have gotten a bit buried in the tsunami of drivel emanating from the environs of the Beltway. We all know that computers are getting pretty good at voice recognition. Computers are also getting pretty good at reading text aloud, often in a voice of our choice, a great boon for those with impaired vision. Computers can also carry on limited conversations with us when we call to order a product, for example, or call tech support. And of course, Siri and Cortana and other digital assistants seem to talk with us, occasionally even answering a question accurately. But in all of those cases, we pretty much know we're either listening to or interacting with a machine. Lately, though, there's a new dimension in computer speech that will have some pretty significant consequences in the very near future. Audio editing software is ubiquitous today. It's inexpensive or even free, and not terribly difficult to learn to use. It can be put to wonderful uses on radio, on the web, and in all kinds of other positive applications. But it can also be used for ill. From Watergate forward, we've all been aware that things that people have said can be cut and pasted and rearranged in ways that create a false meaning of what the person actually said and intended to convey. But what about a false meaning that emerges not from words that a person said, but from words that a person never actually said? Hold on to your hats, because here it comes. Last year, for example, Adobe demoed a new technology that they called at the time VOCO, which stands for voice conversion. It is an amazing technology, and its implications are a bit scary. Here's how it works. The software ingests a sample of a speaker talking, about 20 minutes worth at a minimum, and then analyzes and creates a voice model for that speaker. And here is the traffic stopping part. We can then type in a string of text, and the program will construct that string of words in the speaker's voice, even if the speaker never uttered those words. In this case, in the speaker's voice means just that, and includes a speaker's rhythm, intonations, pauses, style, etc., as well as any particular specific words. If the samples of the speaker that were fed into the software happen to contain a word in the new test sentence, the software will use it. If not, it will simply make the missing new word up from its analysis of the speaker's speech patterns. 
Don't believe it? We'll put a link to the Adobe demo on the page for today's program at www.weru.org. Click on the Public Affairs Audio Archives link and then scroll down to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. Meanwhile, a new startup called Lyrebird, set up by researchers at the University of Montreal's Institute for Learning Algorithms, has created a program that can generate audio in the voices of almost anyone using only a minute's worth of audio of that speaker. The resulting audio sounds a bit machine-like if you listen carefully, but it's pretty darn good. And, of course, it gets much better when the software can hear larger samples of the speaker. And here's the kicker. The company is offering the software for free to anyone who wants to use it. It takes about 30 seconds to realize that this kind of technology is ripe for abuse, and the creators know it. Here's what they have to say about that reality. Quote, Voice recordings are currently considered as strong pieces of evidence in our societies and in particular jurisdictions of many countries. Our technology questions the validity of such evidence as it allows to easily manipulate audio recordings. This could potentially have dangerous consequences such as misleading diplomats, fraud, and more generally, any other problem caused by stealing the identity of someone else. By releasing our technology publicly and making it available to anyone, we want to ensure that there will be no such risks. We hope that everyone will soon be aware that such technology exists and that copying the voice of someone else is possible. More generally, we want to raise attention about the lack of evidence that audio recordings may represent in the near future. End quote. As we all know by now, we can't really believe our eyes anymore due to photo processing software like Photoshop. Now it seems we won't be able to believe our ears either. To illustrate how this software works with only one minute of a voice sample from a real speaker, say Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton, take a listen at Lyrebird, L-Y-R-E-B-I-R-D dot A-I. The name Lyrebird is no coincidence as a name for the company. The Australian Lyrebird is a real bird, able to perfectly mimic the cries of at least 20 other species. You get the idea. So, what can we believe in the digital world these days? That is a very good question, one that we'll try to look into further right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage. <laughs>